Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your uh, co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you, Dom? I am doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic because our guest today is my friend, hailing all the way from the UK, Sarah Armstrong-Smith. Sarah, how are you doing today? Well, I'm great. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here today. Well, I, I'm super, super excited to, to have you on the show. Uh, you are one of my favorite people to follow on, <laughs> on LinkedIn and Twitter. I mean, the, the pictures you always have with your dogs are just fantastic. Um, plus, the security advice you give is pretty spot on as well. So uh, <laughs> I, I thought we maybe start with a question just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit sort of about, about your background, your journey, what's brought you to where you are today. Oh, gosh, where do I start? Well, I'll give you the short version, shall I? Um, so, yeah, my career goes all the way back 25 years, believe it or not. So I actually started off in business continuity uh, around about the millennium bug. I think if you look, ask a lot of IT professionals where they started, it's like the millennium bug seems to be the thing. Um, but that's really what got me into business continuity. And uh, from there, I kind of pivoted into disaster recovery, crisis management, and I've been in cybersecurity for about 15 years. I always describe myself as being on the business side of cyber. And uh, what I mean is because I've come from that business continuity and resilience background, I'm always looking at why are we here? Why, why do we do the things that we're doing? And I think even from a cybersecurity perspective, often we're here, to, we think about we're here to protect infrastructure, servers, endpoint networks. Um, but, but for me, it's all about the people. And it's all about the data. It's, it's, as I say, it's kind of the people really kind of thinking of those type of things. Um, but yeah, I've been at Microsoft nearly three years. Um, so I'm the chief security advisor. Um, I tend to work with Microsoft's largest enterprise customers across Europe. Um, so like financial services, energy, you know, all of those type of things. So I operate across multi-sector and multiple countries. Um, I tend to lead with CISO, C-suite, that kind of thing. Um, and it's number from really three different perspectives. So what's their challenges when it comes to cloud adoption, digital transformation? But the thing that keeps everyone up at night and why we're here is security. Um, you know, and it's security in its fullest sense, I would sort of say as well, in terms of like threat protection, identity, information protection, and all of those things combined. Um, so I actually joined Microsoft just as the UK was going into lockdown. Um, so I actually spent the first 18 months of my career working remotely, literally on Teams. Um, so that was quite a novel exercise. It's been really great to be working with so many customers. Um, We've kind of been on this journey together, if you like, with regards to the fact that we've had a global pandemic. Um, we've had one of the biggest cyber attacks in history, which we regard as solar winds. Uh, and now we've got the war in, in Ukraine. And they're kind of all of these things are kind of colliding together and also to a perfect storm um, with how a lot of the attackers and the, the threat landscapes evolving. So, mm. yes, yeah, quite a big depth and breadth and scale, really, in terms of what I'm doing now and, and the history behind it. That's an awesome intro. <laughs> sure is. Yeah, thanks for heating up quickly in this conversation. You know, Sarah, you mentioned that, um, you know, you question why we do things. And obviously our podcast is Why Does Cybersecurity Matter? One of the reasons that I think of is cybersecurity as a competitive differentiator. 
Can you think of examples of how cybersecurity has been a force for profit or, you know, a competitive differentiator for an organization? I think we're in that perfect environment at the moment. Uh, I think if you looked at pre-pandemic, um, a lot of it used to be that security was an afterthought. It was a bit of a bolt-on, a cost center, necessary evil. It's one of those things that we kind of have to do from a compliance perspective. But I think the pandemic, with so much that's changed with regards to hybrid working, I think at the early days of the pandemic, it was very much about crisis management, about availability. We've got to get people up and running as quickly as possible. And so all of the things and the reasons why people give or why they can't do things, we can't possibly have people working remotely or working from Starbucks or whatever because of the levels of security and the controls and everything else. But slowly but surely, everything changed. The mindset shifted. Um, in terms of you know, what used to take weeks and months now take days, in essence. But as the pandemic went on and people started to see that actually we can have different ways of working, we, we saw from Microsoft's perspective a mass acceleration to the cloud. Um, and I think we one of the stats that we have was we saw two years of digital transformation in two months. And a lot of that mass acceleration was either a lot of companies were already moving to the cloud and they kind of accelerated that, but there's a huge demand for collaboration sites like Teams and Zoom, et cetera. And so that need to communicate, the need to keep people online, the fact that people want to work 24-7, it's kind of really opened up. That security really does touch into everything. And kind of where we've seen, particularly in the last sort of maybe 12 months where everything started to open up again, people are really thinking about new business models, entering new markets, they're starting to innovate. We're seeing a huge increase in smart technologies, use of artificial intelligence, like people even thinking about getting into the metaverse. Um, And I think it's cool. I mean, I absolutely love the technology. I love the fact that there are so many possibilities, but people are now starting to see that security is a business enabler. Uh, And as I sort of said, part of my background, I come from a business continuing crisis management background. And I think we've kind of gotten that mindset that it's not may something happen it will happen so we're in this kind of assumed compromise assumed failure mindset and so when you have these kind of major incidents you have a big cyber attack you have a big data breach it's not the fact that you've had these things necessarily um it's what you do about it it's how you respond Mm -hmm. it's how you build the trust it's how you build the transparency and this is really where that business enablement is coming into play Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm so you even wrote a book on it. If I'm right, the <laughs> title is "Effective Crisis Management." Hopefully, I got that correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the idea of you know mishandling an incident can be quite catastrophic for you know your your company value, your share price, and your your reputation. Um, you know what can happen when you mishandle it, and and how should you effectively handle uh, a cybersecurity crisis? Well, I used to think that I was jinxed because major incidents used to follow me around. Um, <laughs> I just like this happened to be here and then this major incident happened. Um, so I've kind of been on the front line from, of, from a strategic perspective and an operational perspective on multiple different types of incidents. Um, most of them have been IT related, um, but it's been fire, floods, fraud, all of these kind of things. I think as an industry, we're really, really bad at learning lessons. Um, so we've kind of had this rich history of all of the kind of past events that have happened. And then we seem surprised when we have this kind of another major incident that happens. 
So in the book, um, I've wrote it from a first-person perspective. So I'm sharing, I kind of look back over the last 25 years, um, some of my personal stories, some anecdotes, but I actually picked a number of case studies as well. And they just happen to be some of the worst examples of their category. So I have, um, so one of them is like Deep, um, Deep Water Horizon, uh, which is probably one of the worst ecological uh, disasters. We've got 9-11, which is one of the worst terrorist attacks. Um, we've had the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, uh, which is one of the biggest um, cyber attacks um, in affecting energy. So they're all the kind of the worst of their kind. But I, my challenge then is, how bad does it have to get before someone's going to take notice? And I think a lot of these incidents, particularly like 9-11, the global pandemic, some of them are so big that it leads to huge seismic change. And this is not just change within organizations. It's, it's a kind of an entire industry. The entire planet almost changes. But the whole pretext is really it's about how do you make the positive change? That's what I'm trying to make. It's trying to break the cycle. So if we keep repeating the same thing, we're going to repeat history. And at some point, we're going to have an, another big you know, incident. And we're going to sit there and go, oh, how, how did this happen? How did we not know? How did we not plan? Um, and that's really what I'm trying to do. So I've kind of Ultimately, even over the last 25 years, I've, I've actually become to be a bit of an optimist. So even with all the bad things that happen, um, it's really then I go, what do we learn from it? What, what's the opportunity that we can take away from some of those things? These things are really bad. And, you know, a lot of people have lost their lives, even with the pandemic. Um, but what do we do next? Where do we go? And how do we keep moving forward? That's, that's a kind of a whole pretext behind it, really. And Sarah, um, I mean, first of all, I, I, uh, the, I've ordered your book. I'm looking forward to getting that autograph one, one day soon if I ever make it to the UK. <laughs> um, uh, get, get you and, and, and the dogs just to, to autograph it. But uh, um, yeah, I was wondering, you know, like again, we're talking about you know, crisis management, but you know, I think with a lot of the smaller or mid-sized organizations, they think, well, crisis management is for the big companies, the enterprises, right? We we don't need to worry about crisis management. What do you say to the organizations that say that they're too small to worry about crisis management? I think every single organization, no matter how big or small, requires some kind of crisis management. I think some of the bigger organizations, um, you know, with the, with the, the depth, breadth and scale of them, they're going to have a lot bigger kind of enterprise and services, etc., um, but actually, every single company, no matter how big or small they are, they have products, they have services, they have a reputation. And um, it's really about then how do you actually protect that reputation? And I say, well, things are going to go wrong and things are going to go wrong um, when you've least expected them or when you haven't planned for them. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. So, you know, what's a big crisis for a little organization is not the same as what's a crisis for a big one. Um, and so it's really just making sure that people are prepared, um, that they understand, as you say, what to protect, making sure that they have the right communication. Um, and it's, what, it's ultimately about protecting your business and making sure you're doing the right thing for the right reason. So it doesn't matter, as I say, what size company you are, your public sector, private sector, anything. Um, having that kind of really basic understanding of crisis management and what to do when things are going to hit the fan, because they will at some point, 
Um, that's really that's the really important thing. It's just having some actions, having a communication strategy, and ultimately just making sure you've got a plan of what to do in this type of scenarios. How how, how important is it to have again? Maybe this is more from, from a PR perspective as well. But um, you know, let's say in the aftermath of a data breach, and I'll use a recent example like with uh, uh, LastPass. Um, arguably, they they misled the public, and um, you know, in terms of what they were saying uh, publicly, and, and the story kept changing. Um, the optics of that, I imagine most, most people would say, you know, isn't good. <laughs> your, your narrative should not change. So, how important is it to strike the, the right balance from the narrative where you're still being truthful and and honest about what you know, but also honest about what you don't know? So, like I said, you know, from a PR perspective, how should organizations approach? responding to data breaches you know like i said we still see a lot of them just denying everything and then until more and more information comes out and say okay well it's really really bad um or should you get out in front of it as much as you can and like i said obviously be as truthful and authentic as you can from the get-go i'm curious in terms of from your your thoughts there how should organizations approach that well i have an entire chapter dedicated to (laughs) being honest and and believable in essence so the problem is more you lie and the more you deny, the more it's going to have it of coming back to bite you. Uh, and so you do want to get open. You do want to be transparent. You want to get in front of it. Now, the thing is, in any incident, you're not going to have all the facts. And I actually have a have a chapter on facts as well and, that, and separating the fact from the fiction. Um, but you're not going to have all the facts. You won't have done your investigation. You won't necessarily have all of the information. But you need a little bit of humility, the fact that you've had an incident, Uh, And it is really about building that trust from day one, from the very, very first minute. And that's all predicated on you taking some kind of um, decisive action as early as possible. And time really is of the essence in these scenarios. And I think there's a really good thing is tell them before they tell you. Um, So if you've got lots of angry customers, you've got the media on the door, you've got all of these kind of employees are going to find about it. Now they're learning about the fact you've had a major on social media um, before you've told them. Um, And so communication is absolutely critical. But as you can say, you can only really talk about what you know to be true at the time. Uh, And so therefore you need to make sure that you have a commitment um, to get facts, to get the information, to keep making sure that you, you regularly communicate. And as and when more information becomes available, um, that you will communicate, you will provide those actions and you will do those things. Um, but it really is, it's about making sure that the honesty, the transparency mm-hmm. is really built into that initial um, process right from the outset. That's fan- fantastic. Um one last quick question, because I know you, you mentioned the term earlier, and I wanted to ask you about it around disaster recovery. Um, you know, one of the things that we often see in dealing with mainly smaller organizations is that they equate disaster recovery with, oh, our IT service provider is going to deal with that, right? That's that's an IT thing. Um, how, how would you approach having conversations with them to make sure that that remains a business centric approach, and it's not just a matter of you know the IT guys dealing with it? <laughs> Well, you are always ultimately accountable for your data and what's happening with that data. So even if you outsource it to a myriad of different companies, um, you are still ultimately accountable for everything that uh, with regards to that data. You're accountable for your people and all everything that your people are doing. I think that's a really nice thing. I've said I work for Microsoft I'm a Cloud Service Provider, but we have the shared responsibility model, which I think is a really nice way of thinking about it. Um, so you've got things which are at the level of accountability from the service provider. 
you have a number of accountabilities as you as the customer and then you kind of have this little bit in the middle which is the shared area and making sure you've got a clear understanding of that kind of demarcation and who does what but you can't just throw over the fence and hope someone on the other side will pick it up um then i say you're always accountable no matter who on the ultimately lots of different suppliers lots of different service providers providing lots of different services um but ultimately you are always accountable i think that's the bit that's important and i think as you say from a people and data perspective they're the two core things really that people need to be cognizant about we've been joined today by sarah armstrong smith the chief security uh sorry chief security advisor for microsoft um be sure to follow her on linkedin on twitter order her uh, book on effective crisis management. Sarah, this was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, Christian and I will be uh, right back to wrap up today's episode. Well, that was a just an awesome conversation with Sarah. Um, tre- tremendous energy, tremendous wisdom and insight. Uh, I mean, she's be- been in the game uh, uh, quite a long time, so... We really appreciate Sarah joining us today. Uh, what was one of your key takeaways? Well, I have two, Don. Two? Okay. It's okay well, with you. you have the time, so go ahead. <laughs> Floor is yours. Well, the first thing that stands out to me about, about Sarah, something so negative as cybersecurity incidents, uh, she seems to be very positive about it <laughs> and optimistic. Not jaded, not jaded at all. <laughs> so I find that quite shocking and also inspiring and uplifting. And, you know, you can be fear, uncertainty, and doubt focused, but to really get people engaged, um, she has somehow found a way to uh, you know, be positive about it. So I do, I do want to drill down into that more and ask her more about that in the future. The other thing for me is the word accountability. So you know, finding out the fact that your organization is always accountable for your people and your data. And so there may be a shared responsibility there with cloud providers or IT managed service providers, but you're still very much accountable for your side of things. So very well said, my friend. And we, we extend a special thank you to Sarah Armstrong-Smith for joining us today on the podcast. And always, we want to extend that special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. Uh, if you did happen to miss a previous episode, do check out old episodes on the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page uh, and or on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we will see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. <laughs>